Hey, welcome to my spot up here in the bleachers. Got a good show for you today. And this show is going to be dedicated to Kay and Lou Thomas. They came in my store the other day and wanted a shout out. So Kay and Lou, there's a shout out to you from Don Glenn from Talking Sports on the Bleachers. So bring your favorite koozie, bring your favorite seat cushion. We got some stuff in the cooler. We got some hot chocolate going if you'd rather have that. And the snacks are plentiful. So get on up here. Let's talk some sports. You got to get it done. This is Gateway City Sports. The rumors are true. This is Talking Sports on the Bleachers with Don Glenn. A confident young man. A superb athlete. A look at the sports issues of the day. Grab a seat. Pop a cold one, and let's talk some sports. Gee, that sounds kind of interesting. Gentlemen, start your engine. Romo on the shotgun here at the snap. Romo looking, dumps it off right side. Intercepted! Intercepted the goal line by Woodson! And there is your dagger! Bruhol with a widespread stance, arms out over the plate. Bickford from the stretch. The 1 1 pitch. A swing, and there it goes! Welcome back to Talking Sports on the Bleachers, a proud part of the Gateway City Sports Network. If you're looking for uh, articles and content and podcasts, check out gatewaycitysports.com. Hey, folks, I have got some real treat for you tonight. Uh, we did this once, and I'm going to do it again, Pop, mostly because people said I shouldn't do it, so I'll do it again anyway. Uh, we've got a roundtable. We're discussing the Cardinals, and uh, originally we planned this as what they were going to do in the offseason, but now it's going to be a critique of what they are doing in the offseason. And I have with me today Matt Polly from KMOX and the Cardinal Radio Network. How you doing, Matt? I'm good. Thanks for having me. 
And my other guest is one you guys have heard on here before, Daniel Shoptaw from C70 and Meet Me at the Musical. Howdy, how are you? Good. All right. Well, let's just dive right in. Um, you know, the 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 uh the whole thing was, you know, Mosaic said, I'm going to get, we're going to get three starting pitchers either by trade or free agency. And I was one of the few doubters that said, uh, well, maybe not few, I don't know how many doubters there were, but I was one of the doubters that said, I don't see him getting three free agent pitchers. I just, I just didn't see that at least starting pitchers. Uh, and now I'm sitting there with egg on my face. So did he back himself in a corner and have to do this? Or are these legitimate the sign, I mean, Gray probably is, but I mean, the, the first, are they legitimate signs he actually thought out about getting? I'll go with Matt first on that. Yeah, I, I think they kind of backed themselves into a corner with the things that they said last year, but also their record and the way they played backed themselves into a corner because Cardinal fans expect a lot more. And clearly there was a need when it came to starting pitching. I think some Cardinals fans don't feel like they've done quite enough because you look at uh, the, the bottom four in the rotation right now, whatever order you want to put them in with Lynn, Gibson, Michaelis, and Mats, and it feels like you got a bunch of number three and number four guys. And then, uh, But they, they, they said that they needed pitching, pitching, pitching. They said they wanted to add three starting pitching, pitchers. Mosellock actually kind of hedged that bet a little bit towards the end of the regular season and at the GM meetings when he said two and a half pitchers. Uh, but then he goes out and he gets three, and they're going to cover innings. Uh, I I don't know. This is not a rotation that I would want to see them take into a postseason series because of the lack of top-end talent outside of Sonny Gray. But at the same time, they are in much better shape right now than they were last year. And I think it also feels like a rotation that, depending on what other teams in the NL Central do, uh, this could be uh, certainly good enough for them to be at least a playoff team. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I agree with, I think that I've always felt like this front office, when they go out and say a specific goal, they go, they probably already have it in mind because they're going to, to do that. It's when they say, well, we're going to look about improving our team or a little bit more of the uh, vagueness, then maybe nothing happens. But when they give you a goal like three starting pitchers, I figured we'd see three starting pitchers. Now, the quality was always up for debate, and, and it still is. I think Matt's exactly right. You know, this is a, a rotation that is significantly better than last year while also being a rotation that is dangerously close to last year, right? I mean, if something happened, heaven forbid, to Sonny Gray, then we're in basically kind of in the same type of position we were last year. Um, you know, the floor, the floor is higher, but it's still not uh, where – you know, again, like Matt said, it's not a playoff team or not a deep playoff team. It doesn't feel like, uh, you know, things can change. And we have heard, you know, that, you know, their three pitchers might turn into more. Uh, maybe they will be going into the trade market or something like that. But, um, you know, at least for right now, Mo can say, hey, mission accomplished. And the, they're a much better team than they were. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I will say I, I was shocked, and I kind of told you before the show, Dan. I was I was shocked at the actually at the Lynn signing. I, you know, I, I yes, he's a guy that's always been come in, can eat some innings for you. And I think part of the problem with the starting pitching last year is we basically overused the bullpen because some of the starters like Mats, um, Wayne Wayno at times couldn't go, and, and Libertor, you know, didn't make it past the fifth inning. I mean, it, it so you you overuse the bullpen. 
I think with some guys like, like a Lynn, like a Gibson who can eat the innings, that's going to help. Is it going to help us enough? Like you said, to be a championship playoff team, uh, I don't know. The jury's going to have to be, they're, they're going to have to come up with some good years. The jury's ain't going to be out on that. And Michaelis is going to have to go back to 2018 for him. Uh, if that's going to be the case to me. So my, my, my contention has always been that relief pitching was actually more of an issue than starting pitching last season. When, when they were blowing about half of the possible saves, mm -hmm. if, if they have, if they blow 25% of their saves instead of 50% of their saves at the trade deadline, this is a team that's in contention still. And that trade deadline probably looks very different. And perhaps they do add some starting pitching. So I'm not trying to minimize the need for starting pitching. Starting pitching absolutely was a very, very necessary thing. But to your point, with the way the bullpen was used last year, they blew so many games that they could have won. Last year is a very different season if that bullpen looks uh, just uh, sig you know, significantly different, but they don't even have to be putting up – it didn't have to be a top bullpen in baseball. I mean, even a even a 25% blown save rate is not very good, and if they would have had that at the deadline, again, they're within a few games of uh, of the top of the division. Yeah. Hey, I mean, <clears throat> that's 100% true, yeah. Um and to that point, do you think you know, we're because we're still hearing uh, possible trade rumors with uh, with Cease? With uh, I've heard a couple for Glass now. I've heard a couple for a couple other guys. If there's any trades to be made for more starting pitching, do one of the five we now have go to the bullpen? Well, yeah, I mean, if if they're still here, I mean, I think there's. Well, that's my that was that's kind of my point. Are, are they yeah. are they are we going to use them to get that other pitcher, or are we using just get the other pitcher and throw them in the bullpen? Oh, well, I figure you know we're we're really looking at Stephen Matz here, right? Because Miles yeah, yeah. Michaelis is not going to be going anywhere, and the other two, all everybody else has just got signed. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think Stephen Matz goes in a trade for a Dylan Steets or a, or a Tyler Glasnow. I just don't think that those, that's a piece that those kind of guys are going to want back. Um, so I would say that I think that if you make a trade like that, I think there is a possibility that Matt just stays in your bullpen. Um, if they make a trade for a higher salary type of guy, or if they continue to listen to me and, and still do the the Yamamoto deal um then <laughs> then you're going to see probably match shipped out just to, for for monetary savings and you get some sort of prospect back and you're not really too concerned with it um but i yeah i think that especially the c situation which is not going to be as expensive at least financially that may be where you're keeping mats around as as a little bit more depth all right this might not be a uh, a popular opinion but Steven Matz is going to make $25 million over his last two years of the contract. When you look at his ceiling and what he's been when he's been at his best last year uh, from the moment he went to the bullpen on and uh, also then when he was back into the starting rotation, his numbers were really good. And that's a small sample size. But I, I if we get towards the end of the offseason, and there's so many teams out there that need multiple starting pitchers, if you do end up with a Yamamoto, with a Cease, with a Glass now, I, I don't think it's overly possible that any of those things are going to happen. But if if they do, if they're able to work it out somehow, I think there's going to be, be a team out there that would take mats off your hands and would mm -hmm. take most of that salary. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, because, like you said, 
he had his moments last year when you looked and and he was what you need he was what you needed um you know he came in he, i think there was one game was it after the london series he came in through seven innings and Probably. one i don't game think from, anybody threw seven innings in the first half of the year so <laughs> Maybe it was the second half of the year, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, and they asked him how he, what what was the change, and he said that uh, he actually credited the bullpen coach with um, you know, just telling him, hey, trust your stuff, do what you do what you know what you can do, and you know if he like you said if he can do that, then I got no problem with him at number five. Uh, but the other thing is also keeping him healthy. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's one of the issues I have with, with glass. Now they, people want to talk about getting glass now, you know, um, when the guy can pitch a couple full seasons back to back, then I might be in on it. But you know, if you're going to miss, if you're going to miss him for 10 or 15 game, 10 or 15 starts, I mean, I'm not sure that's a, a viable option. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, go ahead, Matt. Well, the only point that I want to make is that, um, I don't think the Cardinals – We can. I think most people can sit here and agree that they're not going to trade Jordan Walker, they're not going to trade Mason Wynn, and I don't think they should trade Nolan Gorman. So then you have guys like you – know, Tink Hens is a top 100 prospect in baseball. The only other Cardinal that's a top 100 prospect is Mason Wynn. If, if the Dodgers want Dylan Cease and it's the Cardinals and the Dodgers contending against each other – the Dodgers, the Dodgers have a better. Mm-hmm. They 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 got a ton of top one hundred prospects, and right. they can give them away a lot more easier than the Cardinals can. Because uh, if if there's somebody who's going to be a big part of the Dodgers' future, and they have to trade them to make a move, they can always augment in free agency later. So I think it's really fun to talk about the idea of a Dylan Cease or a Tyler Glass now being a Cardinal. I think, and it's I'm not saying it's impossible, but from a from a practical standpoint. There are other pitching needy teams that are just positioned a lot better than the Cardinals to be able to pull off a trade like that. Yeah, because I think we would have to give up. We, we would we wouldn't have or we we'd have to give up a lot more talent down in the in from the farm. Plus, to complement that, we'd have to give up some major league ready stuff. We'd have to give up some some club pieces like a like like you said. I don't think Win Walker or Gorman are going anywhere, but. Then now you're talking Donovan, you're talking Newt Bar, you're talking uh, uh, Edmund. So you know, do 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 they want to pull that trigger? I mean, that's that's all fair, and I, I think that's a that is true. I mean, there is you know there are some redundancies on this team with with Burleson and, and things that people that might be intriguing, but you know you're right. I mean, if it comes down to who's going to have the better package. Cardinals are not going to win that. Um, now we've seen in the past that it's not always about who has the better package, but who has the package that the other team likes. Right. I mean, the Cardinals seem to have been asked for a lot more for Sean Murphy last off season than what he actually went for. So, um, you know, it doesn't mean that the deal can't be made on a, on a trade, but, but I agree that, you know, that's always an issue. And, and again, trading, for a guy like Cease, um, you know, you do start to tap into that offense, and that offense ha- was very good. But you know, there's also a risk of of you know knocking down one of the pins that's holding it together. Exactly, exactly. Uh, we'll get into each one of these pictures here in just a minute. Right after we hear about buying a car. Hey, folks, have you heard about stress-free car buying? Well, you know it's possible. 
At Fist Street Motors, located at 2044 Rose Lane in Pacific, Missouri, they want to make your car buying experience less stressful. They'll help you find the vehicle you need no matter what brand. At Fist Street Motors, they believe in giving you the absolute best price on a pre-owned vehicle that's going to fit your budget. Check out what stress-free car buying can be. Give Brandon or Don a call today at 573-259-1306. That's 573-259-1306. Check out stress-free car buying. And when you do, tell them Don Glenn from Talking Sports on the Bleachers sent you. All right, guys, we are back. I got uh, Matt Polly from Camo X Radio and the Cardinal Baseball Network and Daniel Shoptoff from Meet Me at the Mutual in C70 with me today. We're talking Cardinal Baseball. We're talking what Mo has done at the trading deadline that I didn't think he would do. Uh, so he's made, an, he's made a fool out of me. But let's take a look and break this down. We'll, talk, we'll start with the first guy they signed, uh, Lance Lynn. Uh, Dan, you and I talked about this. I'm going to let Matt get the first shot at Lance Lynn here. He's he's a guy who's going to eat innings, right? Like he's a guy who's going to come into the clubhouse and hold people accountable. I think that all three guys, for sure. One thing that I took note of at the end of the season, Oliver Marmel talked about having the right guys in the clubhouse, mm-hmm. and I felt mm-hmm. like there was um, he was inferring that maybe some of the guys in the clubhouse did not have the right makeup. And what we see right now with Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, Sonny Gray, three high character guys coming in. So in addition to uh, being a guy who's going to go out there and handle a lot of innings last year between the Dodgers and White Sox, throws better than 180 innings. Uh, admittedly, he's coming off he's coming off arguably his worst season in baseball. He's coming off a year where he gave up a ton of home runs. Uh, he's probably due for a bounce back, but how much of a bounce back at, at his age? That's the question. I'm pretty confident that he's going to pitch, uh, ha- have a better season next year than he did this past season, just because uh, it was he was so far off what he normally would do. He's coming into a ballpark that's going to better fit uh, what he the, the 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 way that he pitches. I don't think the home run ball is going to be quite uh, this. He's not going to give up 44 home runs again. Is basically what I'm saying. Um, at the same time, there's certainly there are some numbers from last year that are startling. When when the average against the 260, you look at the hard hit rate, you look at things like that. Uh, he's 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 that guy who's got you know the all the equipment and everything in his home, and he's going to be working on stuff, and you appreciate that. But to me, there's a lot more unknowns than knowns uh, when it comes to Lynn, because the, just basically the question is how much can he bounce back uh, from his performance this past year. Yeah, I think that's, you know, again, the home run is going to be big. Uh, you know, he's, I think it looked up in his next highest was like 27 home runs given up. And that was back in 17 with the Cardinals. Um, you know, if he's back in the, you know, 20, 21, 22 range, um, that's significant as well. Um, friend of mine, uh, co-host on Gateway, um, sent me a thing. He looked at, looked at Lynn's starts with the Dodgers and had about two blowups with the other nine he gave up three or less earned runs and he's pitching five to seven innings. So, you know, if you're getting, I mean, if you're getting quality starts out of Lance Lynn, I think you're, you're feeling pretty good about it. And there's a really good chance of that. I thought it was a very interesting conversation that he and uh, Jim Hayes had on, on the cat's new YouTube show about how, you know, players these days, I guess, if you want to put it that way, we're swinging at a lot of like first pitches and, and things that he was, I think at times trying to set up a, a hitter and, and they're swinging at pitches that he didn't necessarily expect them to. So he's talking about changing his approach and, you know, you put all that together in, in, a, in a situation where he's familiar, he's comfortable, he wants to be at, 
um, probably does have that chip on his shoulder, as Mo said in, in the presser that announced him. Um, yeah, I think that you can see a, a, a good bounce back. Sure, he's going into age 37 year, and, and that's uh, going to be a drag as well. But I don't think you see a, a 573 ERA like he had combined between the two teams last year. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, where he was at last year and where he's going to be this year, I think it's going to be two completely different uh, scenarios for sure. And, you know, I, with him, I've, I've always liked the idea that he could eat innings, that he was that guy that you could go out there and you knew for the most part you're going to get uh, – he's going to get you into the sixth at least, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether he goes a full six or not is another story, but he'll at least get you into the sixth inning and it's going to be you're going to stay close for the most part because a lot of his home runs are thank god or are solo shots or at least they used to be i don't know i don't i didn't look at what he had this year for for home runs i mean he had the he had a lot of them but um 24 solo 20 20 with a man on okay so again yeah he's going to give up he gives up those solos which is you know that's only one run hopefully you can get that back if the offense is playing right but yeah, I think he's going to be. I don't know. Do you put him at five or Matt's at five? I'm, you know, at this at this point, I'm not sure which ones which ones a five. But um, like you could make the argument for anybody in any order after Sonny mm-hmm. Gray, two, three, four, <laughs> five. Like you, you choose out the numbers that you want to use to defend your and point. And you want to, yeah, you can. I I can sit here and argue any pitcher in any order uh, for those those other guys. There's really not a lot of difference between any of them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, now the next one they signed was Kyle Gibson, um, and like I said, I I I kind of liked him a couple of years ago. But have we? I mean, did we wait too late to get him in? As or, or is there something there that we don't know about? I like the signing. In fact, if I going back to the, you can put people in any order Mm -hmm. right now, I probably feel confident. My my level of confidence is probably highest with Kyle Gibson compared to uh, any of the other three pitchers at that, that back end. He, he goes out, he gives you at least six innings almost every time out. He had 19 games of six innings or more. When he pitches deep into games, he tends to have quality starts. I know he had the four, seven, three ERA. I know, now he has the 270 average against. There are some numbers uh, that that don't look great. His strikeout numbers aren't great. The Cardinals wanted to add more swing and miss. They don't get that with Gibson. I understand. We're at a point in baseball right now where if you're not a swing and miss guy, you are playing with fire on every single night, uh, especially when you've got a high average against. So for the people who don't love the Gibson signing, I I get it. I just this is a guy that, and I'm not an eye test guy at all. That's not one of my things. I, I think you look at the numbers and you look at all the numbers, but for whatever reason, Gibson's the guy that I feel like um, when he goes out there, if it day, uh, he's really going to give you that chance to win. Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead, well, I, I think it's very interesting that in Lance Lynn, we kind of replaced a little bit of the Adam Wainwright gravitas and the Adam Wainwright connection to the, the organization in the glory years and all that stuff. And then with Kyle Gibson, we kind of replace Adam Wainwright's benevolence. Um, you know, he's the, the vice president of big league impact. He's got a lot of uh, irons to the fire. He's, you know, Wainwright was about like a, a mentor type with him. So it's, it's probably fitting that it took two pitchers to replace <laughs> Adam Wainwright in, in this organization. But uh, yeah, I think Gibson's an interesting uh, a guy again. Um 
you know, you're right. As Matt was saying, not enough string we actually led the American League in hits allowed. So that becomes a, an issue as well, uh, especially if the Cardinal defense doesn't step up like we hope it will uh, after a, a rough year. Um, but I, again, a guy that, that goes out there, gives you the innings and, and does it well enough that you're going to stay in the ball game. And yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, uh, him out there and see how that adapts uh, a guy that again, much like, like all three of these guys, right. This is which very um, interesting to hear this throughout everybody that really, really wanted to be in St. Louis that had really asked, you know, kind of, made it a point to come to St. Louis and been wanting to come to St. Louis for a while. Um, so it's very interesting that, you know, St. Louis is still that destination, at least for some pitchers and some players. And it's going to be fun to, to see those kind of guys respond to the environment that they've been looking for. Yeah. And I, I think that that cannot be understated that, you know, if a, if a player is going to want to play in front of a certain fan base or in a certain locality, he I, I think the fans react to that when they when they hear that, when they say, you know, they, they see that. I think that's how Wilson Contreras got a lot of uh, uh, fence sitters onto his side was, you know, his attitude about St. Louis. You know, he wasn't coming here to replace Yachty. He was coming here to be a part of the St. Louis Cardinals. And, you know, I think uh, when you got players doing that and saying things like that, I said it does make it more palatable, even if the numbers may not uh, add up to everybody's specifications. You know, for me, I think something that's important is um, when you're on social media, everybody's a cynic. There's cynicism everywhere. Uh, For me, hosting post-game shows after games, tell you what, when the Cardinals win, we don't get a whole lot of phone calls. When they lose, we get a ton. (laughs) So that that tells you about – um, the type of people and the attitudes that I'm talking to. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but sometimes right. when you're around it, like I'm on social media all the time, I'm talking to those people after every single game, you sort of forget things. And I thought, it, especially with the Sonny Gray press conference, mm-hmm. I did think it was important for everybody to be reminded, even coming off an absolutely miserable season, even coming off uh, a period of years where the Cardinals, uh, even when they've got to the postseason, they've done absolutely nothing in the postseason. When, when Gray was asked about the worry about that, it was it was not a worry for him whatsoever. It was just kind of a, a flash in the pan, just a momentary thing that happened. And there's this overall belief that the Cardinals are the Cardinals and they're going to be fine. Now, obviously, the organization has to follow up by putting together a roster that allows them to do that things, uh, those things. But it, it, when we were going through the thing this past year where some Cardinals fans were saying, you know, boycott games because of what the Cardinals were doing, I never liked that for two reasons. The first reason is going to a game at Bush Stadium, no matter what's happening, is, is pretty awesome. And I think about me growing up and going to games, and they didn't always have winning years, and my, mm-hmm. my love for baseball came from going to those games. But the other thing is you can impact other players, and – Sonny Gray came into St. Louis a lot. He came into St. Louis with the Twins in, in August of last year. And, and even that, I mean, he he wants to play in front of these fans and, and, and the, the crowd. Sometimes we make a little bit too much of best fans in baseball and baseball heaven and all that sort of stuff. And, and I get it. But as me, somebody who sat in, uh, worked in Milwaukee for six years doing Brewers postgame, I think Brewers fans are fantastic baseball fans, but they're not Cardinals fans. And there's very few places 
that draw the kind of fans that we have in St. Louis. And that still matters. Uh, it doesn't matter as much as money. It doesn't matter as the opportunity to you know be your best self, but it does matter for people when they're deciding where they want to play. Oh, I'm sure. I guaranteed. I mean, you know, like I said, like I said, if you look at, if you look at, and and everybody that's you know they you talk to different players or you hear, you hear interviews with David different players, and you know when they ask about St. Louis, it's always one people always say, oh, it's one of my favorite ballparks to play in. It's one of my you know the fans are great. I I'm like you. I was ha- very happy to see um, at least Sonny make those comments and and Lynn seemed very positive about coming back. So. You know, I think uh, I think that's going to play. I think it's going to play well. We'll just see how the rest of it goes. You, you bring up Sonny Gray, so he's next up on the list. I notice people, and, and you bring up social media, and here's a really good point for that. I got I see a lot of people saying we still need a number one. Okay, granted, there are better pitchers out there than Sonny Gray. I'm not saying he's the be all end all, but. When has the runner-up to the Cy Young not been a number one? So, I, from my perspective here, I, I I like Sonny Gray a lot. I have no problem with Sonny Gray being at the top of the rotation. I, th- I think the Cardinals could use two top-level pitchers. And, you know, we get stuck on these numbers sometimes. Are right. you a number one? Are you number two? Uh, I think, for me, I think the thing the Cardinals fans are maybe – Sonny Gray is not the classic – give you seven, give you eight, get three times through the order type of guy. He really, you look at as great as his numbers were. And again, I really like the signing. I'm not, I, I feel like I'm being negative on him and, I, and I'm not, I think it's a, he's a fantastic fit, but he does that bulldog ace that really doesn't exist much anymore in baseball. Those are few and far between. He's not really that guy and that's okay. But I think that's where some Cardinals fans are, are pushing back a little bit. Okay. And Fair I think enough. it's all it's also just a reaction to everything, right? I mean, it's that idea that okay, the Cardinals have done all three. And if I guess in a normal year, if you go get out and get a sunny gray, that's great. Right. But the fact that there was such a hole and that the the first two shovels of dirt into it were Lynn and, and Gibson, that it made you feel like it really needed to be over the top to make this rotation extra strong and great. Again, it's great. Um, and a guy that is going to be better than the best pitcher on a number of teams. But when you factor that in with everything else, I think there is just that, that feeling that it just doesn't go as far as it should. And some of that then becomes a backlash on him. Well, yeah, and and that's true, and and like I said, you know, it's not like I'm saying that 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 Gray is is the best that we can get out there because you you know, like you you talk about Yamamoto, Snell is still out there. Uh, we're, we've already talked about Cease. Um, you know, there's a number of pitchers they could get that are probably better than 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 Sonny Gray at this point. Uh, but you know, I think whether you put him at the, at the at the number one slot or if you find somebody else and he drops to a number two. He's still one of he's still a pitcher you needed at the top of that rotation. It's going to go out and and get you get you innings, get you wins, uh, come up with an attitude that he wants to be out there pitching, um, and and I think that's going to speak volumes. Um, like I said, now whether we end up getting a second guy to to go to the top of that rotation or whether we have to settle for and I I say settle for because uh, I do think Michaelis is a borderline two more the more of a three than a two but 
Uh, if we do have to settle for Michaelis as a number two, I'm I'm okay with that. But if it comes down to it, when we get to the uh, midway point in the season and we're in command or we're close, Mo better start looking at what the playoffs are going to bring look like and make a change. Fair enough? Yeah, you go back two years ago, Jordan Montgomery and Jose Quintana, and I think we sometimes look at that with revisionist history. Montgomery now is not the guy he was when, when they acquired him. Uh, but we, we, that, that was obviously a solid acquisition. Quintana mm-hmm. ends up being your playoff starter in the first game that year, although I think even if you put Quintana into this rotation, you would still just kind of lump him in with the, with the other right. four. It's mm-hmm. tough. It's tough to go add high-end, top-level starting pitching. That is one of the most challenging things to do as a baseball executive. And especially at, you know if you're trying to think about, okay, we're going to tread water and and, and again, this is where the Cardinals have run into problems before, right? This idea right. that we'll do enough that we'll be okay, and then we get to the trade deadline and we'll, you know, make a move then. You know, you never know what team's going to be actually contending. You don't know what's going to be actually on the market. Um, and getting a, you know, getting any kind of pitching at that time of uh, the year is difficult. And we saw that on the other side, right? The Cardinals got a pretty good haul for Jordan Montgomery this past year. You can, you know, it costs to get pitching at that time. So, you know, I'd like to think that they would, you know, kind of maybe learned a little bit and, and are going to try to get that a little bit deeper going into the season. But, I mean, I heard Mo say a lot about there's a lot of time between now and the next year's trading deadline, and I, it kind of feels like that's still in their mindset that they can just add on later on. Yeah, I, I – and I, I don't know why, but that some somehow that that scares me. <laughs> hey, uh, we'll be right back. We'll do some more pitching talking here in uh, in a couple of minutes, and uh, we'll see you on the other side of the Wiley Group. Hello, folks. I want to talk about protection. We all know how important it is to stay protected. Just like a quarterback needs to stay protected in the pocket, you need to have the things in your life protected. Because as we all know, life will throw you that curveball sometimes. That's why you need Allstate. Wiley Group has two locations in Festus and Arnold to serve you. They offer home, auto, boat, motorcycle, business, life insurance, investments, and much more. They offer a customized approach that's unique to your situation to make sure you, your family, and assets are properly protected. They also offer great rates and savings. Give Sean and his team a call today, 636-764-6294. They'll help you with an insurance quote right over the phone because that's how they roll. That number again is 636-764-6294. Even give them a call if you just want to talk sports because I hear they do that too. Hey, with work and school, kids and everything, we have busy lives. So you can email Sean, Sean Wiley at Allstate.com. That's S-E-A-N-W-I-L-E-Y at Allstate.com. Talk to him about your coverage options and remember... You're in good hands with Allstate. All right, and we are back with Matt Pauley and Daniel Shopdahl. We've talked about the three pitchers that, that St. Louis has acquired in Sonny Gray, Lance Lynn, and Kyle Gibson. Um, and we've talked a little bit about the, about the rotation, and and I get it. And, and we all know that we've got one, one top end and four guys that you can pick them out of a hat for, their, for how they fill in the rotation um to a certain extent but and you guys have mentioned it you know we've gotten into trouble the last couple of years with not having the depth in that starting pitching and we've got five 
that are, you know, like you said, a decent enough probably should be able to win the Central. Somebody goes down. Now, like I said, if it's Sunny Gray, we know we're in trouble. But if somebody goes down, somebody else, say Michaelis goes down, or we lose two like we have the last couple of years, you know, the first part of the season, do we do we have depth to make that up? Or is that something they may be still looking for? No, I, I don't think the depth is there. And uh, especially if Sonny Gray goes down because you just don't have any other high-end starting pitching. Now, are there some young players that are interesting coming up? Sure. Um, can Zach Thompson take another step forward? I don't even talk about Matthew Libertor in this spot. I, I really think the Cardinals are all in on him being a, a reliever moving forward. So right, as it is right now, you would think that Thompson is kind of that number six guy. Um, but it, I, I think it's all about if Gray goes down, then you're in trouble. If you've got Gray, you're, no team makes the playoffs or doesn't make the playoffs based off who their fifth starter is. Uh, that's why, you know, even going in this offseason when the Cardinals were talking about three starters, I didn't think it was actually that important that they got three. Now that they've done it, it's nice that they did it, but I wanted to see them make sure to get two. And whoever your fifth starter is or whatever collection of pitchers uh, your fifth starter is, those guys aren't going to be part of what you're doing generally in the postseason. Uh, you're, you just want a guy who's going to be able to give you five. So I'm. You could be worried about the depth if the number six or number seven starter, and uh, all of a sudden is trying to fill in for a Sonny Gray. But I think if a Miles Michaelis or a Lance Lynn or a Kyle Gibson goes down, and you're relying on on one of those pieces for a short amount of time, I, I don't think it's going to be that much of a drop off. Fair enough. Well, you, what's your thoughts, Daniel? I mean, yeah, that that, that does make sense, and I, I get that. Um, Still, you can totally. I, you're allowed to totally disagree with no, me. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I, I mean, it really kind of hadn't. I hadn't really thought about it in that in those terms so i i get what that that makes sense to me um but it is i mean it still feels like it's more than that right i mean it, you're right there's only you know especially if you're talking about you know four five six starts you know if somebody's not out for the whole season you know if somebody comes to, to camp and can't move their arm then that might be a little bit of a different story i guess but um yeah, I mean, if you're talking four or five starts, it's probably not a huge issue because there are arms to to fill that in. We're not talking, we're not talking about the role Ramirez's of the world like we have in the in the past, or even having to pull up a, a Drew Rom from last year. Um, you've got guys like Thompson. You know, if it's late in the season, you may even look at a Tacoa Roby, depending on how that season goes um to fill those spots i think it's always more comfortable as fans to have established you know depth that you know probably will be fine but you know you don't know anything when it comes to baseball either so that's just the way it is i mean just you may and the cardinals have thought they've had depth before and then all of a sudden they're they're using their 12th starter in the in the system so you just never know we hinted on the relief pitching earlier in the first segment and i want to kind of circle back to that um, I don't know how you guys feel about it. I think if Mo doesn't make or the front office, let's let's put it that way, does not make a move towards securing some type of stabilization for the bullpen since you don't have a Hicks and we don't know if he's coming back or not. They may they may offer him, they may not. Who knows? You've pretty much only got right now Romero, Thompson, Helsley, and um guy gagos um i'm not sure that instills a lot of confidence in me i mean because 
Uh, Palente, had, now maybe maybe he had an outlier of a bad year last year. I don't know, but it just seemed like he couldn't get it, get it, get it going. Libertor as a reliever, that intrigues me. I think I'd like to see that because it, it was clear. he he. I don't think he's a major league ready starter. He may never be. Um, but after that, where do we go? I'm not a hot take guy, but this is going to be the closest thing you get to it. They they need, they absolutely need to bring in two legit high leverage relief pitchers. You got to have a group that can put the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning on lockdown when you're leading by one, two, three runs. And they did not have that last year. And you can't rely. I like Ryan Helsley. Obviously, he's a strikeout guy. He's a below guy. All things that I that I appreciate. Uh, he doesn't pitch every day. I was encouraged by his willingness to pitch in back-to-back days uh, once he came back from the injured list this past season, but that's not really his MO. There's just going to be days that he's not available. So at minimum, you need two guys that you feel very comfortable with in leverage, and you kind of have a, a plan for the 7th, 8th, and ninth. And I'm not putting jo- – I, I loved what JoJo Romero did with this team this past year, but – there, there are a lot of guys who have moments and then they don't follow that up. I'm a track record guy and Romero doesn't have the track record. If you add those two guys and then you get to spring and turns out everything that Romero did last year was totally legit, that's great. You're going to find spots for him. You're going to find innings for him. You're going to find important moments for him. But this team, 100%, absolutely, without a doubt, needs to find a way, whether it's via free agency or whether it's via trade, they got to go find legit dudes uh that they can use on the back end of the games but and on the flip side of that i mean you're i mean yeah it depends if if i, I don't know what guy is gonna bring i mean they said he was tipping pictures and he's figured it out i will wait and see for that but i do worry about the fact that this cardinal front office especially has had a pretty good track record of terrible moves on, on the free free agent market <laughs> when it comes to to relievers uh, and, you know and occasionally they've been able to pick up a a guy that you didn't expect and they would come into something but i do worry about them going out and overextending themselves on you know relievers are always so vo- volatile anyway because partly because of the small sample sizes we get right you're looking at guys that pitch 40, 50, 60 innings sometimes on, on a year and, you know, one or two bad outings could be there or, you know, you can get through a year without anything and you look great. And the next year you come to camp and all that catches up. So I, you know, it's, it's always felt a little bit dangerous to stock a lot of money into that bullpen. That being said, if they can find, they, they, you know, finding guys that, you know, are reliable and usually what reliable means, you know, guys that can throw hundred miles an hour and strike people out, uh, these days uh, would be very, very preferable. Uh, and, and figuring those out is, is difficult and, and maybe uh, I, a bridge too far. And I'm, I'm not saying go sign Josh Hader and they're not going to do yeah. that. That's, yeah. that's not the kind of money that they're going to, they're going to spend, but there are relief pitchers out there who have been pretty reliable for a while. And you know what, if, if it blows up in your face, well, sometimes that's the cost of doing business. You know, people mm-hmm. talked about that with Yamamoto. I, I 100% believe that Yamamoto is going to be a really good major league pitcher for a long time, but he's never done it over here. So there's some level of risk there. Mm-hmm. That's that's part of what you get into. So I just it cannot be a repeat of next year of last year when it comes to the bullpen, where you just didn't have a whole lot of reliable pieces on the back end. I, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, 
uh, it seemed like we kept uh, we had a revolving door at this in the seventh, eighth, ninth. Who was pitching? And you know, maybe some of that was Marvel. Maybe some of that was the, was or most of that was probably the the talent level he had back there. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. That we that's why I got about posing the question is you know who and, and you know you said we don't go out and sign Josh Hader. I agree. I don't think they'll pay that kind of money. But is there a trade market we can get into for a relief pitcher and who might be willing to offer one up that we, that's that they don't already have in their system. That's going to be the part that I think is going to be very tricky for Mo to handle. I think they should just win every game by five or more runs and not have to worry about it. <laughs> well, there you go. I, I can agree with that. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. Uh, okay. Let's take, we'll take a quick look here. Um, I tell you what, let's do let's do one one more quick break and then we will uh, come back and we'll uh, we'll see what what the future holds for the winter meetings. Hydration multiplication. That's what you get from the number one powdered sports drink in America. It's called Liquid IV and delivers two times faster hydration to water and three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It uses cellular transport technology designed to deliver more rapid absorption into the body. It also delivers key vitamins like B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. It's non-GMO, contains no soy or dairy, and gluten-free. comes in a variety of formulas. There's an electrolyte replacement formula I have used when working out in the yard, an energy hydration formula for those times I need a little pick-me-up, immune-boosting formula that I use daily. It also has a kombucha blend for dietary health, and have a formula for better sleep through hydration. They have a multitude of flavors. I'm partial to golden cherry, azu pineapple, and strawberry lemonade. They all taste very light, refreshing, no aftertaste. They also have other flavors like lemon lime and even pina colada. It also comes in sugar-free, and that uses an amino acid blend instead of an artificial sweetener that comes in lemon lime, green grape, and white peach. There's also hydration for kids with Concord grape, crisp apple, tropical punch, banana, and cotton candy. Liquid IV is conveniently packaged in individual pouches or sticks so you can take them literally anywhere. The beach, the gym, the office, the school, even on an airplane. Did you know that humidity in an airplane is 5-12% to 12 less than the Sahara Desert? So long flights get you dehydrated. That leads to jet lag. Coffee, tea, that doesn't help. Ask for a bottle of water. Drop in the contents of a packet, shake it up, and say goodbye to jet lag. Liquid IV also cares about the world we live in, so they resource sustainable materials from family farms. They use 100% recycled materials in their packaging and are provided grants to help expand access to clean and abundant water in other countries. So go right now to liquidiv.com. Use the code GCS at checkout to get 20% off. You can also shop Better Hydration by using my special link, zen.ai slash Talking Sports on the Bleachers, and get 20% off anything you buy. Check out Hydration Multiplication. Try Liquid IV. Go to liquidiv.com and use the promo code GCS at checkout. Okay, I'm back with Matt Pauly and Daniel Shopton. We are talking about Cardinal baseball, more in lines of the pitching and what, what we've added in this free agent market. The winter meetings start tomorrow. Well, I guess that's official. I mean, they won't, won't officially have any action until Monday, but um, what are we looking for? Since we've already got three guys signed, what do you think the Cardinals are going to look at any position players uh, to maybe – be so they can maybe trade a uh O'Neill Carlson. Those are two names that have been mentioned very heavily as far as people 
uh, fans on the on the social media wanting to trade? Um, do they look at trading some of what they picked up last year? Are those trade pieces they can use for, you know, maybe hire minor league guys or maybe add something to get something? Um, what's your guys' feeling on on which way they they take the winter meetings, or do they just sit back and watch? As someone who's going to be there, I hope there's a lot that's going on because I hope I get to be reporting on a, on a fair amount of things. Um, but I, I, I don't know how to answer your question. I, I, if they wouldn't have signed these three pitchers, I think it would have been a very active winter meetings. Now it's almost like what's going to come to them. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know how aggressive they're going to be overall this off season. I, I think they trade Tyler O'Neill, and I think there is a legitimate opportunity for them to trade Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson. I think both those guys could could be gone. Uh, and But how much do you really get? It, it was an interesting decision to tender O'Neill because you're putting yourself on the line for $10-plus million. If you don't get a deal done, there has to be some sort of confidence out there that some that a team out there is going to be willing to take on that $10 million and – give you something back for him that was worth you tendering him uh, in, in the first place. I don't think they do that. I just, I don't think they, I, I think the, uh, this roster doesn't really, I don't think it fits with both O'Neill and Carlson when they do everything that I think that they want to do this season. So yeah, I, I think one of those two guys could get traded here in the winter meetings. And beyond that, I don't know. It's just, it's hard for me to, I'm kind of rambling here because I don't know what this is going to look like. This is a week ago or a week and a half ago. This looked like it might be one of the most active winter meetings ever for the Cardinals. And now you're just not really sure what it actually is going to end up being. Yeah. I, I think Matt's probably going to be able to get some sleep uh, while he's there. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> um, I, again, you look at the the pitching market, you know, we've talked a lot about this trading and stuff, but if, if reports are right, uh, you know, Yamamoto doesn't say he's not going to sign it until like after the winter meetings sometime, maybe, you know, next week. Well, that probably puts a hold on things, right? You know, Snell probably doesn't sign until Yamamoto goes, you don't trade Glasnow and cease until those guys are off the market and see what you want. So I, I, I think that a lot of the, the pitching that we've been talking about through this show doesn't happen this week. Um, you know, yeah. Tyler O'Neill, uh, some of those guys that are possible, to trade maybe they go this week um you know maybe they don't I, I don't know i think yeah i don't see how really be very surprised if tyler o'neill is back on the roster this you know in, in jupiter uh, i do wonder if they keep carlson with the idea that edmund may have to play some short just in case mason wins not completely ready or needs you know needs that kind of backup so i you know i think there is some redundancy that they do need to clear off and, and but those are trades that don't necessarily you know, really move the needle necessarily either. And so could they happen at the winter meeting? Yes. Could they happen, you know, January 5th? I think that's just as, as likely. So I, you know, again, you've got the draft lottery that, that part will be exciting for sure. Uh, because the Cardinals will find out where they get to, to draft next year. But I wish just to guess, I have a feeling there'll be a lot of um, rumors and a lot of speculation, but I don't know. If there'll be a whole lot of a fire for that smoke. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to agree with with, with the both of you that I, th- I. I've said it since beginning of la- or middle of last year, that uh, you know I thought Tyler Lewis should have been tr- should have been traded at the deadline. I thought they had an option to get get rid of him at the deadline, I mean, but he may have been injured at the time, so it may, may not have been possible. But, but no, I think he, I don't think he comes back. 
I don't know whether Carlson, I, I, I've, I keep going back and forth on Carlson. I look at him and like, okay, he can do this. We know we, we can, but does he will, I just don't know with him what you do with him. Uh, because when he looks like he's coming out of it, he gets hurt. And when he's healthy, he's playing like he doesn't know how to play the game. So I don't know what to do with, 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 with the Dylan Carlson. And I'm not sure who really wants to take the chance on him at this point. He's I still, would, he's still young and he's still got quite a ceiling to go, but it's just a matter of getting him to put it together. I think I'd be perfectly comfortable if this team opened up spring with an outfield group that included Jordan Walker, Lars Newtbar, Alec Burleson, Richie Palacios, and Tommy Edvin. I would too. I think that's a pretty decent outfield to go. And I and I do agree that I, I don't think you're going to see much in the way of Cardinals being uh, aggressive traders in, in, or active partners in the winter meetings. But I, I do say if somebody comes to them and says, what do you want for O'Neal? Then maybe Mo starts massaging the feelings and say, well, here, we can throw this guy in besides and you can have our number this and it, but you got to give us the value of a top end bullpen guy, something like that. I, you know, maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. Um, like I said, we're in an uncharted territory that the Cardinals haven't done in a long time. And that's make, make some hay before the meetings even start. Uh, usually they're the last team to do anything at the winter meetings. So, or at least the last couple of years have been that way. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know which way we go with that. How and when we uh, come up with that roster in the, in the spring. Um, we know Wilson Contreras is going to be. What's he, What's his position? Is he going to be catcher or is he going to be a part-time catcher and part-time DH? What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with, like you said, Edmund? If Wynn doesn't hit real well, can Edmund, do you put Edmund back in at short, put Wynn on the bench? Do you send Wynn back down? I mean, there's so many variables that you can look at of what can and what what might happen you know i I kind of in this way i feel sorry for mo if that's even possible yeah luckily those are you know a lot of those questions will get answered in spring as far as wilson Contreras goes i just he's he's your catcher he's got to get a little bit better defensively they got to hopefully yadier molina's presence in the organization helps with that uh but i i'm starting him behind the plate 90 to 100 times giving him 20 30 games as the dh in addition to that uh, it looks like Herrera is going to be the backup. So obviously you want him to play a fair amount. So it's not going to be one of these situations where your starting catcher is starting 120, 130 games behind the plate. Contreras has never been that guy anyways, but he is your number one. And uh, we saw, especially in the final two months of the season this past year, the offensive force that he can be. What about Mason Wynn? I think he's going to come out of spring training unless he just totally blows it. He'll come out of spring training as a starting shortstop. But do we draw any conclusion from his small sample size last year of his ability to hit at the major league level? I don't think I can be unbiased about Mason Wynn just because I think he may be my favorite player, at least one coming up. And he, he, you know, as a guy that grew up in the uh, Ozzie Smith era, you know, to have a, a flashy shortstop is, uh, you know, hits all the fields. But um, I don't think you can take a lot from what he did at the end of last year. He typically, I, as far as I know, uh, you know, and showed that a little bit last year at Memphis. You know, he's a bit of a slow start, get adjusted to the league. Uh, in fact, that's one of the reasons I think the Cardinals brought him up last year is to kind of get some of those things out of the way. And so hopefully that he'll come and start uh, you know, fairly fresh uh, coming this year and, and having that kind of stuff under his belt. Um, yeah, I mean, is he going to be, you know, a, a huge offensive force to start with? I don't know about that, but 
you know, I think we, he's going to have enough enough offense and and the defense put together. I mean, there's a reason that the the club kept his um, rookie of the year eligibility, and I think that's you know they they have high hopes for him, and I think that there's a good chance that it, he'll meet them. Yeah, I've heard a lot he can't. Of, he, go ahead, man. He I'm can't sorry. hit a. Yeah, he can't hit a buck seventy-two like he did. If you did that, you're probably sending. If he does that for the first month of the season, you're probably sending him back to AAA, and Tommy Edmonds going to have to play some shortstop. But there's no reason to believe that he's going to do that. As just mentioned, this is a guy who his track record is every time he gets to a new level, it takes him a month or so to kind of adjust offensively, and then he takes off from there. So I, I agree one hundred percent with what was just said. There's, I don't think you take much away from uh, what he did. Just. Yeah other than knowing that he's got some big league experience and that's going to be good for him going into this season. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, he was, that was just to get his feet wet last year. The Cardinals knew they, were, they weren't going anywhere. So using that last month to give him the opportunity to, 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 like you said, experience the the major leagues and then have a pretty decent head up for next year. I want to shift a little to Jordan Walker because there's been a lot of uh, and I've seen it just in the last few days. A lot of people want to move Goldie and put Walker at first base. Uh, have we, I mean, the strides he made on the outfield last year, they weren't huge, but you could see progress in what he was doing. Uh, definitely better than he was at the start of the year for by a long shot. Uh, have we, I, are we already giving up on him as an outfielder or are we, are, are we giving up on Goldie as being viable? Which one is the case? I, I'm fine with Walker being at first base if and when Paul Goldschmidt, you know, Goldschmidt's going to be a free agent in 2025. If Walker's long-term position is at first base, that's fine. Goldschmidt's on pace, probably have a bounce back season this year. What he, what he did this past season is not going to be something that he does again, but he was a good, this is one of the things that really challenged me this past year was I would get phone calls on the post game show and people would want Goldschmidt and Arenado benched for, other players and say, like, yeah, okay. So their, their numbers that they're putting up are not as good as what they historically put up Goldschmidt coming off an MVP season, but th they weren't putting up bad numbers. They, they were fine. So I, I don't move Goldschmidt. I give Walker at least another year in the outfield. Uh, he's never going to be a, a gold glover out there. Uh, you just want him to get to a point where he's not going to embarrass himself. And he's putting in a ton of work. He was putting in a ton of work with Willie McGee uh, once he, you know, all season long last year. So I don't, I don't buy the dump Goldschmidt and I don't buy the move Walker to first right away thing. No, I, I mean, if I remember right, that by the end of the year, you know, like for August, uh, Walker's outs above average was, was positive. I mean, he was trending in the right direction all year long. And we saw that you can see that, you know, as you watched him, uh, I think Goldschmidt, you know, the Cardinals have almost a tradition of giving out a, an extension in spring training. I think Goldschmidt very likely could be the guy that gets that at this coming year and they get him for a couple of years because there's a lot of desire for legacy. We know that about the Cardinals, and I think they would prefer that that Paul Goldschmidt retired as a Cardinal. Um but, you know, there's no guarantees on that, of course. And if that's the case, or, you know, they're wanting to run that risk. They're, Walker could always move to first or, you know, Alec Burleson could move to first or something of that nature. But, um, yeah, I you did, for 2024 especially, you know, Goldsmith's there all year long and Walker's in the outfield, and I don't think there's a problem with that. All right. I'm going to ask you guys, uh, we've talked about a lot. What's your guys' final thoughts on this? So we'll, uh, you know, it, it, we'll kind of go – 
take it as you want and we can hit the pitching again or whatever. But uh, Matt, we'll start with you. What's your final thoughts on what they've done so far and where do you see them going from here and your outlook for next season? Really good start. The, they've covered a lot of innings out of the bull, uh, from the rotation. That's going to make the bullpen better. Uh, I do, as I mentioned earlier, I think it's important that they add to the bullpen. And I think it's also important that they kind of clear out some of the mush that's there. The, their, the outfield situation has to be cleaned up. Tyler O'Neill is the most likely guy to get moved, but Carlson could, could be as well. Uh, but this is, this is a good start. The Cardinals have had as good of a start to the offseason as any team in baseball. Daniel, yeah. I, I will agree with Matt, and then I will just get on my soapbox and say that, you know, Yamamoto is a historic <laughs> opportunity, and the Cardinals really need to take advantage of that. And um, and I think they still can. I, I mean, yeah, finances that's possible, but I still think there's a long there's a, there's a play there that they should be involved in, and whether they are or not, I don't know. I feel like they're probably not going to be, but uh, until he signs somewhere else, I'm staying on that hobby horse. I see. I get you. Yeah, well, I think for me, I'm I'm going to say yes. It was it it has been a good start. I would have liked to have seen, um, you know, maybe a, a, a bigger splash, uh, but for what they got, like like Matt said, you know, you're eating a lot of innings. You're going to help the bullpen in that respect. I do agree. Also, we need to get some bullpen help, um, clearing up what we've got in the mess. I think you start with a young core and you've got that core you've got gorman you've got win you've got walker you've got newt bar to me to me uh he's part of that young core and i think that's the core you build around you're not not saying you don't keep an aeronaut you don't keep gold yeah you keep those guys but i mean as, as we're moving forward we're looking i would be looking at supporting those pieces uh and if that means moving a tyler o'neill a dylan carlson uh alec burleson fine then they go um you know i'm happy with that um but i do think they need to concentrate on what their core is going to be and i think that core is in that younger group and so we'll see how it all pans out and we'll kind of go from there so guys i really want to thank you for coming i know it was a it was a it was a screwed up mess trying to get this deal put together <laughs> but uh, i'm glad you guys were able to make it on and uh, we'll definitely have to hit uh, maybe a spring training round table here or maybe even uh maybe sometime in january to kind of digest with the winter meetings and everything that followed after it but we'll we'll work on that for the future for sure so matt uh where can uh where can fans find you besides KMOX? yeah so uh at matt Pauly on air on uh the platform formerly known as uh twitter and yes hopefully for folks uh, who are paying attention to what's going on at the winter meetings we'll be there uh camo x will be certainly on on top of it in the cardinal radio network we've got our first uh countdown to opening day show that i do with mike claiborne every week uh this week that show across the network uh if it airs live on your local uh, station it's going to be on thursday nights uh last stations air it maybe on the weekend or something so check with them but uh yeah cardinal radio network starts our uh, weekly countdown to opening day show this week cool cool daniel uh, at C70 on Twitter. Cause I'm old and I'm not going to call it anything else. Um, <laughs> you can find me, uh, you know, the, the podcast, meet me at mutual gateway to baseball heaven, pretty much anywhere you find podcasts, uh, cardinal 70.substack.com. It's got the, and then there's also uh cards conclave.com has, has some writings is there just at the exit interview series where we wrote about every player. So, um, yeah, you'll find me if you need me. 
Okay, that sounds good. Hey, and as for me, you can always look for me on the Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call the thing anymore, TSOTBGCS, or you can email the show, TSOTB.GCS at gmail.com. And you can find the podcast on Twitter or on, uh, Spotify, on Apple, just about anywhere, kind of like Daniel, anywhere you can find a podcast, you'll probably find me. And I also encourage you to check out Gateway City Sports. You can find articles from Russ Robinson, Brian Swope, myself. I even get a few in now and again. You can find our podcast, The Team of Rivals with Ron Nuttall, Pete Geddes, and Elliot Dewey. The Two for Three with Moose, Mike Stevenson. And coming soon, the Derek King Sports Show with the one and only Derek King. And you'll find all that at gatewaycitysports.com. So for Matt Polly and Daniel Shopdow, this is Don Glenn saying... Have fun, stay safe, and we'll see you again when we are talking sports on the bleachers. Good night, everybody.